Welcome back to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan. This week marks an important ritual for healing and remembering loved ones, with roots in Mesoamerican culture that extend far beyond Mexico. Días de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. This year on Historical Vera Street in Los Angeles, California, the nine-day festival began on October 25th and concludes on November 2nd, All Saints Day. Each night before the procession, there is a little theatrical performance called um, La Danza de la Muerte, The Dance of the Dead. That's Valerie Hanley. She's on the board of the Alvera Streets Merchant Foundation. She's also one of the lead organizers for this year's Day of the Dead Street Festival. On the weekend before the second, we typically have entertainment throughout the day. So we may have uh, ASIC dancers, uh, ballet folklorico come out, mariachis, other musicians. In addition to performances, the festival will have a public altar or ofrenda. A community altar, which they open up to anybody to come and either bring a picture or sometimes what they'll do is they'll put poster board and people can write uh, something about their loved one. Hanley keeps an altar for her family in their store. She explains that what you find in the altar reflects the varied traditions. The original tradition came from the Aztec religion. But then, uh, of course, the Spanish came, of course, with Catholicism. So all of that got mixed in. So nowadays it's a blending of the two. So even in the altars, you will see a blending of both worlds. So you'll have the picture of a saint or a statue of a saint on the altar, along with the pictures of the loved ones. But you'll also see some of the basic things. So you'll have fire in the form of candles. You'll have water in a little bowl, maybe, or glass. You'll have papel picado, which catches the air. You may have salt or some kind of food representing the earth. So you'll have a lot of those basic elements that come into play as well. A lot of people put the little sugar skulls or calacas, which are little skeleton figures, also on the altar. So it really is a blending of all that. And depending what part of Mexico you are from, you'll see different types of altars. The Hanley family business began nearly 57 years ago, and they traced their history back to the 1930s, when Alvera Street was the focus of a revitalization effort spearheaded by a wealthy socialite from Northern California, Miss Christina Sterling. Sterling's vision was to see Alvera Street turn into a historic center for Mexican art, culture, and street life. My father actually started here in 1930 when Miss Christine Sterling opened the street. He was one of her shoeshine boys, number 10. And, you know, my parents met here. My mother worked here with my father. We've owned our business here for 57 years. Um, I'm a third generation merchant because my grandmother also had a business here. But I'm a third generation. We have families that have four and five generations here. So, you know, it's really um, an important continuity of family that happens here on Alvera Street. And we see people that come here generation after generation for our events, be it muertos, be it posadas, be it blessing of the animals. So it's really nice to see. For 35 years, the merchants on Alvera Street have organized the street festival. And Hanley says, looking back, she sees a growth in popularity and interest in a ritual that honors those we've lost. We get a lot of people from a lot of different areas of Los Angeles. Um, The event has grown because of the the celebration factor 
of this because we miss the people who have gone. So to celebrate their life is really a good thing. And it makes people happy in a way to remember their loved ones. After a year and a half of a pandemic, the holiday this year takes on an important healing role, not just in Los Angeles, but around the world. All over um, Mexico, parts of Central America, and of course the U.S. Southwest, but also, you know, the United States more generally anymore. Um, Mexican, Chicano, Latin American people will be gathering on November 1st and 2nd to celebrate Day of the Dead. And in many places, they'll be gathering in public, which is quite beautiful. That's Dr. Matthew Sandoval. He's researching the transborder holiday. COVID has obviously shifted our way of life, but it's had a profound impact on our way of death as well. Our death ways have been interrupted precisely because of this. And Dia de los Muertos is, of course, it has two components. There's a familial and kind of home gathering component. You make an altar in the home to honor the dead. But the second component, that there's always a public facing. It's always meant to be uh, celebrated as a community to honor the communal dead more generally. And given that we're going through a period of mass death across the globe, but also in the United States. Um, until this year, we we haven't had the ability to gather as a community. In other words, last year, it was all virtual events, or there were no events, but at least we're starting to kind of thaw out a little bit so that there are some more public and community celebrations, which is necessary. That Because we we have to honor our dead as a collective. That's that's part of the that is part of the tradition of the de los muertos is that it's not a private observation. It's always meant to be shared, where you you share the burden of grief and the and you share the beauty of joy with regards to this celebration. As part of his research, Sandoval travels around the world attending festivals, interviewing leaders like Hanley, and connecting to the deep history of the holiday. One, he says, is still misunderstood, noting that it wasn't long ago when it was simply thought of as Mexican Halloween. It's so funny that um, this uh, vernacular of uh, Mexican Halloween really does have an age kind of built into it. There's not a whole lot of scholarship on this, but my guess is that that was as close as they could approximate what they were seeing the kind of, I would say, gothic imagery with regards to skulls and skeletons that made immediately probably made Americans think that this was uh, living in relation to Halloween, which of course is is not the case. It's only within the last like decade or decade and a half, maybe, where I think the common understanding in among most Americans who have ever even seen Dia de los Muertos, they understand that it is not Mexican Halloween, but that doesn't mean that they have any clearer idea on what this holiday actually is. It is what we call a syncretic holiday, meaning that it's a blending of two different cultural traditions together. Uh, Syncretic religions tend to be a product of like European colonization in the Americas, but European colonization all over uh, the globe. Today, Dia de los Muertos has gone mainstream. And Sandoval points to pop culture. I have seen, as an ethnographer, is that a younger generation is coming to Dia de los Muertos precisely because of movies like Disney's Coco or other representations because Disney has done um, Dia de los Muertos in a number of their different animated series. So they have grown up with Day of the Dead represented in pop media, which is to say that they've associated with not just their ethnic identity, but they've associated it with something that's valuable, something that's quote-unquote cool. Sandoval describes another trend among the young, 
those drawn to the indigenous spiritual origins. I would say like late teens and early college kids, which of course I deal with because I'm a university professor. So in what I see at that level in age, especially among uh, self-identified Mexicans, Latinos, uh, Chicanos, etc., is that they are embracing Dia de los Muertos precisely as an indigenous tradition as opposed to a Catholic tradition. Mm -hmm. So they're well aware of the roots of colonization and how that has affected this day. So when they celebrate it, they're looking to celebrate the indigenous aspects of it. And among this group are growing concerns about the commercialization and cultural appropriation of the holiday. There's never been a time when Day of the Dead was celebrated, even in the indigenous past, where the holiday wasn't deeply and intimately tied to market forces, wasn't tied to commercialization, profiteering, etc. Day of the Dead has always had to operate with commercialization either woven into it or commercialization right alongside it. That's part of how it's become popular. That's part of how it's uh, been able to survive from generation to generation. I would say in the last uh, five years at least, uh, cultural appropriation has been a dominant conversation, especially among Latinos uh, and especially among indigenous people. In other words, people love the sugar skulls, so they'll buy a sugar skull, you know, hoodie, or they'll they'll ha- they'll dress in the face paint, but they have no idea what that means. Obviously, it's upsetting. So on one hand, it's a matter of balancing cultural appropriation. On the other hand, it's a matter of knowing that this is uh, medicine that can help people heal in a very real way. They can come to terms with the death of a loved one, which we want to invite other people into. That's the tricky balance because now at a lot of Day of the Dead celebrations, especially in California and the U.S. Southwest, but also in Mexico, um, more than half of the people in the crowd are non-Latinos, non-Mexicans, non-Indigenous. Uh, they can be uh, other other races, other ethnicities, which is to say there's more people coming to Day of the Dead. Um, But that's not necessarily a bad thing, precisely because Day of the Dead, as a spiritual tradition, it really does have efficacy. For Sandoval, it's not theoretical. The healing power of the ritual was transformative in his own life. Two real moments uh, that hit for me that made me really want to dedicate life to this holiday. The first is that my first encounter with Dia de los Muertos was not in Mexico, actually. It was in Antigua, Guatemala. Uh, and so that threw me off because what I had known and, and uh, taken to be true about Day of the Dead was that it was a Mexican thing, meaning just in Mexico. But what I learned in my time in Guatemala is that like Guatemalans celebrate this too. And so that made me ask harder questions about like, where does this actually come from? from? Why is it considered Mexican? Like, how has this survived? It it made me ask really scholarly questions. On the other hand, uh, Day of the Dead, because it's a cultural practice that I've celebrated my entire adult life, it's also truly allowed me to heal from some of the the most disruptive deaths that I've ever experienced in my life, which is to say I lost my father at a very young age, and I spent my, basically my entire teens and 20s butting my head against a wall trying to understand how to deal with that passing and deal with that grief. Dia de los Muertos, throwing myself into this culture, which is to say my culture, allowed me to learn how to heal from that thing that uh, that needed to be healed. So Day of the Dead is not just a scholarly thing for me. It really has been the thing that's allowed me to come to terms with the death that was very disruptive in my life. And if it wasn't for Dia de los Muertos, I'm, 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 this isn't even like figurative. I'm not sure where I 
would be with my grief. I have a feeling that I would still be deeply, deeply struggling with that loss. But now I can rest assured knowing that every year at this time of year, I'll be able to put a photo of my pops up on my ofrenda, which I make for him annually. And that that is my way of honoring him and allowing that death to pass through me. And I can take this time to honor him on those days, but I don't have to carry the weight of his death on my shoulders every single day. Valerie Hanley is the owner of Casa California in Los Angeles, California. Dr. Matthew Sandoval is an ethnographer and professor at Arizona State University at Phoenix. That's all for this week's episode. A special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. This week's producers are Kimberly Winston and Kevin McCarthy. To listen to any portion of this show, explore our archives and get into those show notes, head over to interfaithradio.org. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. Wherever you are, I hope you are safe, I hope you are well, and I hope you stay connected. We'll see you next week.